Hello and welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for this lesson in our series, Who I Am, where we'll be studying the book of John and where we see that John is writing these things to everyone so they might believe and that in believing they might have life. In this awesome book where John presents the Messiah Jesus as God, we'll see lots of key truths and great application that we can apply to our own life. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. John chapter 9, and it is the sixth sign. If you couldn't uh, tell by what's up on the screen, it's the sixth sign. How many signs are in the book of John? You guys remember? Seven. Okay, so there's only one more after this. The first six are in the, uh, well, really, yeah, all first six are really kind of in the first half of the book. Uh, really, the seventh is kind of at the end of the first half, but they all come pretty early. And today's sign is the healing of the blind, or the man born blind. Uh, so this guy is born blind and Jesus heals him. And the question I have for you guys today is how do you view the work of God? Okay, how do you view the work of God? And when I say that, what I mean is sometimes uh, we can attribute the works of God to ourselves. Like if, if God does something in our life, we could say, well, I did a really good job at that, or I'm really skilled at that, when it's in reality it's God who, uh, who did it and God who gave you the skills and the abilities and things like that. And sometimes when we see something happen, we can attribute that work of God to like chance or luck. You know, we can uh, say, well, you know, that's a, that's a real lucky thing that that happened to that person. Really, it was God. And there's other things we can attribute uh, God's work to. And today, we're going to see some people that attribute the work of God. Um, well, they just don't believe it's God that's doing it. Okay? And then there's a group that does, but we're going to look at it. Okay? So look at, down in your Bibles at verse 1. We're going to read 16 verses. Okay? We're going to read them all, okay? and then we'll get into it. Verse 1 says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the work of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay out of spittle, and he applied the clay to his eyes. And he said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and he washed, and he came back seeing. Therefore his neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit and beg? And others were saying, This is he. And still others were saying, No, it's, but it's like him. And he kept on saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then... Were your eyes open? He answered, The man who is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went away, and I washed, and I received my sight. And they said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees were asking again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. All right, let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day. 
uh, that you've given to us. Thank you for all you've blessed us with, God. Uh, we love you, and we just pray that as we look at your word in John, that we would you'd encourage or convict us as needed uh, as we as we dive into your word. We love you and pray us through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so there's a one in 292,000, no, 292,201,338 chance that you will win the Powerball if you buy a ticket, okay? It's, it's very, uh, it would be what we might say, you'd have to be very lucky to win it, okay? Some would say uh, that luck has a, uh, or fate or luck has a, uh, a hand in a lot of things, okay? There's this guy, his name was uh, Grayson Kirby, okay? You guys ever heard of Grayson Kirby? It's, it's not like a super well-known story. It's uh, well-known locally. But Grayson Kirby, he got into a car accident, and he went into a coma. Okay? And the, the doctors gave him a 5% chance of living, of coming out of that coma after the car accident. Uh, and he was in a coma for 10 days, during which time his family got together like a, a bunch of people to pray for him, a bunch of prayer warriors. Okay? And his mom said, we have been hearing from people all over the world, Germany, Ireland, Korea, Australia, sending in their prayers. And after 10 days, he came out of a coma and he survived. Okay? And so some might say, especially, well, there's a lot of people that did say, man, that was really lucky that that happened. That guy, he, man, fate just did not want him to die. That was, that was really lucky. But we all know that that was God, right? He's the ultimate healer, and God is the one who uh, provided that healing. And just like God provided that healing, God does a lot of things in our lives, in, people, in the lives of people around us. And sometimes people, including ourselves, even as believers, sometimes we don't give God credit like we should. Okay? And so as we look at this today, let's think about how we can praise and thank God for the things that He does in our lives so that, so that He gets glory and people see Him for who He is. Okay? And we're going to look at it a little bit more here. But the first thing we're going to look at today um, no, this is a good question. Sorry, I forgot that I had this slide. When we see the works of God, what do we think? Okay, when we see the works of God, what do we think? So first thing we're going to look at, the question. Okay, the question. This is in verses 1 through 5. Okay, look at him again with me. We'll read through verse 3 this time or partway through verse 3. Okay, so as he passed by, and we don't know how long this is after the Feast of Booths. Um, it doesn't seem to be very long. Okay, it could be the next day. It could be a few days. It seems like he's, you know, it, it's not a long time, but it could be. So as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. So him and his disciples are walking. They see a guy that's begging for money, and he was born blind. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born, born blind? So his uh, disciples, they automatically think that this guy is blind because of personal sin. Okay? They think that either he sinned personally, or his parents, before he was born, maybe sinned personally. And that's the reason why he was blind. Okay? And look at verse 3. Jesus answers him. Okay, this is what he says. He says, It was neither that this man sinned nor that his parents. Okay? So Jesus says it's not a personal sin. Okay? Now, was he blind because of sin in general? I mean, yeah, sin came into the world, right? And because of sin, things happen. People get blind. People die. Things like that, right? But it was not because of personal sin. But look at verse 3. But it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, this is a really hard, I think this is a very hard verse uh, for us because Jesus is saying that this guy was born blind so that the works of God might be seen or displayed in his life. Okay, And that's really hard because sometimes we go through hard things, right? And God uses those hard things 
but it's like, why God? Why did I? And like, if, if he said this to this guy, right? If I was the blind man sitting here and I hear Jesus saying, well, God made that guy blind from birth so that way the works of God could be displayed in your life. I'm like, really? Couldn't have made somebody else blind? Like, you're making me blind, especially in that culture. Like, that's a really hard thing to be blind. Uh, but we have to remember who God is, right? And we have to remember uh, that even though we might not understand all the aspects of it, God does. Like, God understands what it took for this guy to be saved, which we're not going to look at it today, but eventually he does believe in Jesus as Messiah. Uh, he knows what the people around him need to be saved. Okay, so he understands these things. I have a lot of verses for you uh, that I want to go through because God's, God's purpose in desiring people to see his works is not a prideful, even though he can't be prideful because he's God, but like it's not a prideful desire to be glorified. It's a, it's a loving desire to be glorified. Okay, look at these verses and we'll uh, see what you think. Okay, Genesis 22, 18. Okay, this is uh, talking to Abraham. But in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is Isaiah 45, 21 through 22. Declare and set forth with your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this from uh, old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God beside me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. And look at this next one. We just went over this in Sunday morning last week. And may these words of mine, and this is Solomon praying, may these words of mine, with which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near to the Lord our God, day and night, that he might maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel, so maintain the cause of Israel as each day requires, so that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no one else. Now going to the New Testament, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here's one more for you. And there's a lot more than all these, by the way. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of our God and Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So what? From the beginning of time, okay, from the beginning of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, prophets, history, it doesn't matter what it is. What is the one common theme you saw in all those verses? God wishes for everyone to be saved. God wishes that everybody's saved. He wants everybody to know Him and to see Him so that all men come to the knowledge of truth and that everyone is saved. Okay, and so the reason I share all that is because this man that's born blind, that God said, hey, I'm going to make this guy born blind, and then Jesus is going to heal him, and then that work is going to be seen. The purpose behind that is salvation, right? And it's just like the purpose of the whole book of John is salvation. And we don't know, this guy may never have been saved if he wasn't born blind first, right? And God knows those things, and there may have been other people around him that may not have been saved except he was born blind and then God showed the work of him, his, own, his work through this man, right? And so this guy, Jesus says, this is not a, a case of personal sin. This is a case of God, his works being shown through this man. And that's why he was born blind. Okay, continue to look at verse 4. It says, We must work the works of Him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, now verse 4 is kind of interesting, right? And there's a lot of different theories about this, okay? Because he says, We must work the works of Him who sent me as long as it is day. That makes sense so far. Who's the we there? 
Trinity. Well, who's he talking to? His disciples. So it's him and his disciples. Okay, it could be Trinity involved in that, right? Because God is God, right? But he's talking specifically to his disciples. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Okay, daytime is when Jesus is on the earth, right? Because night is coming. Okay, that means that he's going to die and he's going to rise again. He's going to send into heaven and then it's night, right? He's Because he is the light of the world, right? So while he's on earth, it's light. That's the illustration. When he ascends into heaven, it's dark, right? And so he is the light of the world. And he says, we must work the works of him, the Father, that's God, right? As long as it is day. But then this next part's kind of interesting. It says, night is coming when no one can work. Okay? So, my question is, and the question that a lot of people have with this is, does that mean that no one can do any works now that Jesus is gone? No one can do any good works now that Jesus is gone? Well, that doesn't seem right, right? Because people can still live for God, right? They can still do works of God. And so there's a couple different theories on this, okay? Bob Wilkin thinks that um, Jesus here is talking about without the Holy Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit empowering you and living in you, we cannot do the works of God, okay? And he's just kind of leaving that part out. But the Helper will come, and then people will be able to. I don't really take that uh, necessarily. I think it's fine. Uh, I think that's a good way to look at it. But I, I think there's another way to look at it. I think it's talking specifically about Jesus' ministry, like Him being here, like Him being on earth. Okay, for example, I can do the works of God through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Am I Jesus in doing His works? No. You guys don't know that? Answer that question. Am I Jesus doing Jesus' works? No. No, I'm not. Okay, it is different because I am not Jesus. I am not God. And specifically, those twelve got special uh, authority from God. For example. The, did uh, a lot of those guys wrote the scriptures? Okay, those guys like Paul and Peter, they performed healings. You know, they did a lot of things through the. They cast out demons. Did a lot of things uh, as a part of Jesus' ministry that we don't do anymore. Uh, and that you know, I can't do that stuff, right? And so, through the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, I can do the works of God. But I think uh, that this is talking about Jesus actually being on the earth and him and his disciples actually working while he's on earth. Because when he leaves, it's just a little bit different because he is the light of the world. Okay, And then look at verse 5. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, What do you guys think that I am is? It's not. I tricked you guys. Okay, But it, there's a reason it's not. And I think this proves the point of ego e me even more. Okay, Ego e me, remember? That means uh, the, the emphasis is on like I am. Okay, And so far, every time we've seen him use that, he's talking to somebody that he is convincing that he is a Messiah. And most of the time he's preaching to a crowd. Now who's he talking to? Disciples. Okay, do his disciples already believe he's a Messiah? He doesn't need to emphasize that. Now he's just talking, like plainly. You know what I mean? He's just like, hey, I am the light of the world. So he just says, Emi. Emi, Phos, Cosmos. Right? That's what what it is. Okay, That's what he says. And so I think that this even more so emphasizes, because it's not like everywhere in the scripture you use ego Emi. Right? When he's just talking to his, his guys that already believe he's the Messiah, he doesn't have to emphasize, I am the light of the world. He just says, I'm the light of the world, right? And so this emphasizes even more, I think, that those other times he is emphasizing it. But now he doesn't have to because his guys already believe. And so I think that's something really interesting to keep in mind, especially as we go through and look at some more I am statements, ego me statements uh, throughout John. All right, so that's the question. The question is, hey, who sinned? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? Jesus says, no, nobody sinned. It wasn't a personal sin. 
the works of God are going to be shown in this guy. Remember, he hasn't been healed yet. So his disciples are like, okay, the works of God are going to be shown. What's going to happen? Okay, well, let's look at the sign. Okay, we're going to see what happens. When he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay out of spittle. Okay, so he spits on the ground, mixes it up, makes a little nasty concoction. I guess we can't call it nasty. It's Jesus' spit. Holy concoction. Okay, so he spat on the ground, made this little holy concoction of mud and clay, and he applied the clay to his eyes. Okay, so it's kind of interesting, kind of weird. Spits on the ground, mixes it up, plastered it all over this dude's eyes. Okay, of course he can't see anyway, so it doesn't matter, right? Uh, And then verse 7 says, He said to him, Jesus says to the guy, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away, and he washed, and he came back seeing. Okay, this is the sixth sign. The sign of the healing that happens by Jesus spitting on the ground, mixing up dirt, and then applying it to the guy's eyes, telling him to go wash. He washes, and he's healed. Okay, This is a little bit more, I guess, intricate than a lot of the other healings. Okay, A lot of times Jesus just heals them, right? By faith you're healed. By faith you're healed. This time, puts uh, stuff on his eyes, makes him go wash, makes him do all this stuff. Okay, now remember, all of John's signs are miraculous signs that are really big miracles, right? We've talked about it in the past. Okay, we, we had that guy that was paralyzed for 40 years. We had um, water and wine. All these things are things that you can't do by trickery. Remember, you can't do it. They're not parlor tricks. And so this one, above all, I think, I think it's why it's kind of towards the end. It's also towards the end of his ministry. But, like, this dude was born blind. He's never seen anything in his entire life. And I think that's important for this sign. Because who can make somebody that's born blind see? God. That's it. Like, that, that's the only... There's no other solution. Like, it's just God. Okay? And so... And we're going to see these people see it, and they're like, okay, this is, this is weird. But uh, there's some interesting things about this. Okay? First, Jesus uses what comes out of his mouth and dust of the ground to make this guy see. Okay? This is, this is just like... It doesn't really matter, but it's kind of cool. Okay? What did God use when he created man? Dirt and then breath, right? Come out of his mouth. He breathed on the dirt, and it came. Adam and Eve came alive. He put the breath of God in them, right? So I don't know. That's just kind of an interesting thing uh, that it, I don't know. You can think about it. You can study it out. I'm not really going to get into it, but it's kind of cool, okay? Uh, but the other thing I want you to see about this is this miracle in particular. It required obedience for the guy to get rewards, okay? It required obedience for the guy to get rewards. He obeyed, and he was rewarded for it. Now. We're going to see next week. You'll have to come back next week, okay? Because we see next week he meets Jesus, finds out that Jesus is the Messiah, and I believe believes in him. But at this point, he has no idea. He, do- he doesn't know who Jesus is. He doesn't know he's, I don't think he even knows he's claiming to be Messiah. I think he just knows his name is Jesus, okay? He can't see Jesus. He can't, so he just, all he knows is he got this stuff put on his eyes by a guy named Jesus. Then he went and he washed and did what the guy told him, and then he sees, okay? Now, once he, once his eyes were open, he's got to be thinking, who is this guy? But well, for all intents and purposes, he doesn't understand that this guy, because later on, Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he's like, who is the Son of Man? And then he says, I am. You know? and so, uh, but right now, this is just talking about a miracle. This isn't talking about believing in him for eternal life or anything like that. Okay? For this miracle, okay, he had to obey to get the reward. Okay? And in our Christian life, Okay, in our Christian life, after we've believed and we have eternal life, okay, how do you get eternal life? Believe you believe in Jesus to get eternal life, and you get it, right? 
But after we've done that, we obey for rewards. Okay? They can be earthly rewards, they can be heavenly rewards, but we obey for rewards. And so that's why I kind of like this. And, you know, to I don't know how much this guy believed that Jesus would heal him or not, but it seems like he believed a little bit, okay? And it's kind of like Hebrews. Okay, this is Hebrews 11, 6. It says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So for us as believers, okay, for us as believers, this isn't talking about faith in the Messiah for eternal life. This is uh, talking about faith in God and who He is. Uh, and, you know, pleasing Him is works, right? We're doing stuff to please Him. I mean, it can be faith too, but we're doing things to please Him and we're getting rewarded for it. That's what He's talking about. He's talking about the heroes of faith, Moses, Abraham. They believed God and then they lived it out and they were called friends of God. And it says, you know, this is a little bit later on, verse 13 through 16, it says they were all looking to a heavenly reward, a heavenly place. It says, these died in faith without receiving promises, but having seen, uh, seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, having confessed that they were strangers in an exile land on the earth. For those say such things and make it clear they're seeking country of their own. And indeed, they have been thinking that this country from which they went out, they would have had an opportunity to return. So he says, if they were thinking about an earthly country, they could have went back to it, but they're not thinking of a heavenly one. But as it is, they desire a better country and a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. And he's prepared a city for them. So, for us, as believers, okay, we believe in Jesus for eternal life. We have it. But that's not the only thing we should believe about God. Like, that's the only thing that gives us eternal life, right? Believe in Jesus, we get eternal life. But are there other things that we should believe about God as believers? Should we believe that He is good? Is He good? Yes. Okay. Is He God? Is He all-powerful? Is He all-sovereign? Can we believe those things... And you pair that faith with works, okay? And we can get rewarded for those works, right? Um, so, this guy, he gets rewarded for doing, for going and doing what he did, okay? Uh, later, this guy, like I said, he's going to believe in Jesus as a Messiah, believe in Him for eternal life. But that's not what he's doing right now. He's doing a work, and he's receiving a reward for it. Okay, so after all this happens, we see an uproar. Okay, verses 8 through 16. We're going to look at, really, there's four groups of people here or two groups of people. Okay, There's the neighbors and the religious leaders. And in both those groups, there's a group that believes that this work was from God and a group that believes this work is not from God. Okay, So let's look at it. It says, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is this not the one who used to sit and beg? And others were saying, He is. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. Okay, So, so far neighbors, these people around him, the people that knew him. Okay, there's a group of them and they're all talking. They're saying, hey, is this guy the guy that was born blind that's been sitting here begging for all these years? And one group's like, yeah, it's got to be him. Look, it looks exactly like him. And the other group's like, nah, he must have a twin or something because there's, there's no way this guy can see now. We know him. We've known him since he, for a long time and he's been blind the whole time. So there's no way this is the guy. It's just a guy that looks like him. But then the guy that got healed, he kept saying, No, I am the one. In verse 9, I am the one. So they're saying to him, How were your eyes open then? Okay, so here's the thing. This was such a miraculous healing that it was unbelievable. Okay, these people couldn't believe it because it was so miraculous. They said, Okay, if you're actually this guy, how can you see? Okay, how can you see? And he said in verse 11, the man who was called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go wash in the uh, Siloam. And I went and I washed, and I received sight. And they said, Where is he? He said, 
I don't know. Okay, I don't know. So these guys, these neighbors, they see uh, this work of God and they struggle to believe that it's actually God or that it's actually happened. Okay, which can happen sometimes in our life when we hear about things but we don't see it for ourselves. You know, people will tell us, you know, God did this in my life. And I might say, well, did God do that in your life? Are you kind of exaggerating it? Is it just something that was going to happen anyway? You know what I mean? Like, even as, you know, even me, like, I do that. Like, it's like, in my mind, I'm like, well, is that actually a miracle from God? Or is, like, that's something. That, like, this guy, like, Kirby, Grayson Kirby, you know, you might see that and say, well, how much of that is actually true? Does God really work that way anymore? Is God actually going to do that today? Like, those kind of things that, like, just make you think, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually God. Um, And so these guys are split. Some of them believe it's Him and believe it was Jesus that healed them, and some don't. Okay, But then in verse 13, it's very interesting. They brought Him to the Pharisees, the man who was formerly blind. Okay, This is interesting to me because when I was looking at it, I'm like, why would they bring Him to the Pharisees? Okay, And so I was like, maybe there's a reason. So I started looking it up. And, you know, there's... There's really not a, a really good reason why they brought him to the Pharisees, okay? Except um, now, Bob Wilkin he said he says a couple things about this. One, he says it could be that they were like so excited that they wanted to share it with the Pharisees, which I'm like, I, I don't think that's true based on everything we've seen. But more likely, I think that it uh, and Bob has this view too. Like, there's this is his second view. But more likely is that they brought him to uh, the Pharisees because Jesus did it on the Sabbath. Okay, and what what would benefit the people, like what would benefit them if they brought this guy to the Pharisees? Or what might they think, that what benefit would they think they would get from bringing this guy to the Pharisees because he did it on the Sabbath? They might get rewarded. They might. Like, it's kind of obvious that the Pharisees don't like him. Exactly. But at this point it is obvious. They're trying to kill him, right? And they, and they And it's not the first time he's done something on the Sabbath and they've got mad. So, I don't think they're going to try and share joy with these guys. I think that they're going to try and get rewarded, whether that's actually physical or whether it's just like, I view these Pharisees as a very holy, like righteous group, and I want to be on their good side. And so I'm going to bring them this guy because that might get me in good with these Pharisees. Right? So I think they're thinking of some sort of like way that they can get rewarded. Because some of them don't believe, okay, that this was even done, right? And so they, they say, oh, Jesus is claiming to do something on the Sabbath again. I'm going to get in good with the Pharisees and take them to them. Okay? But it could be several different reasons why they took them. But that's kind of what I think. Okay, verse 14. And this is part of why I think it. Okay, because of verse 14. Now, it was the Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Okay, so it's clearly stated it was done on the Sabbath. Verse 15. So the Pharisees were also asking him again how he received his sight. Uh, now, this guy, remember how he responds to everybody. Okay? Because as we go throughout this passage, like next week, his, his personality starts coming out. Okay? And he's a very, um, <laughs> he's kind of like dry. He's kind of like got dry, sarcastic humor, I think. Because he starts answering these guys. And the more you see all these answers, the more you start seeing, okay, I see how this guy is. Okay? But look at it. Okay? <clears throat> it says in verse 15, He, uh, he applied clay to, my, clay to my eyes, and I wash, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees are saying, This man is not from God, meaning Jesus, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others are saying, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? So there's a division among them. Okay, There's a division among them again. And as we've seen throughout John, there's division among the scribes and the Pharisees and religious leaders. In this case, some see God's work and they deny it was God. Okay, They see God's work and they do not attribute 
that work to God. And some see God's work and they believe. They say, how can this man be a sinner? That What they're saying there is, this guy must be who he's claiming to be. Because look what he's doing. So they're attributing the works of God to God. Now for us, okay? For us, many times we do not give God credit for the work that He does in our life. Okay, especially publicly. We do not give credit to God for the things that He does in our life. Think about it. There's a lot of little things that He does in our life. Right? There's a lot of little things that He does, a lot of little gifts, a lot of little blessings, a lot of things that He gives us that we attribute to our own strength or our own power or somebody else, but we don't attribute it for, to God. And I think that we should be attributing those things to God. We should see the works of God, and I know that most of us in here have believed in Jesus for eternal life already. Okay, But even as believers, we should see the works of God and attribute those to Him. Because all those verses from the Old Testament that we just looked at and from the New Testament, they're all saying so that people will see God or what He's done or His people or whatever and they would come to know Him. Okay, So if that's this, this goal that God has is He wants people to know Him and He wants people to see Him so that people will believe and people will have life and they can spend eternity. If that's His goal, then everything good that happens to us because James 1.17 or 4.17 every good and perfect gift that comes from Every good and perfect gift comes from God, the Father. So if everything good comes from Him, and every blessing is in our life, then we should be attributing those things to God in front of people so that those people see God, okay? those people see God, and then either as believers they glorify Him, or as unbelievers, maybe that's something that helps them start to put things together and start to say, hey, I'm going to believe in this guy named Jesus for eternal life. Okay? But we, we have to attribute those things to God. Because if something good happens in my life and I'm talking with all my buddies and I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to get this trash complex for a long time. I know you guys don't know anything about it or whatever, but it's this contract I'm trying to get. Okay, so let's say I get a contract. I'm talking with all my buddies. I'm talking with my friends and maybe some other people and they're like, oh, dude, that's so exciting that you got that. I'm like, yeah, man. Just, oh, man, I'm so glad. Such good timing. I've been trying. I've been working so hard for it and I have. I've been working so hard for this. I'm just so glad it happened. Okay, that's, that's fine, whatever. But what if I was like, man, God's timing is so perfect. And like, this, this just happened at the right time, right when I needed it. And God softened the right hearts. He made, he made me aware of the right people. And man, God just did this in my life. You see the difference there? How one, like we just don't even really think about God. And the other one, it's like, man, God is in everything. And He's working all things. Right? And so now you're giving that glory to God and that praise to God and you're thanking God and people around you are saying, okay, God is doing things. And that's making people aware of God and His working. Right? Does that make sense? Okay, so I think that's, how, that's what we should be doing in contrast to what a lot of these people were doing. You know, some of them were, I think, attributing it to God, but some of them weren't. Okay? And we should be doing that even as believers. So, how do you view the work of God? Do you see God working in the little things? Okay? And do you thank and praise God for His works, even if they're little things? Okay? How do you view the work of God? Do you see God's working in little things? And do you thank and praise God for His work? Our application, give glory to God by praising Him and thanking Him for His works. Okay? His works, okay? His working was different through Jesus Christ because Jesus was God and He was on earth. So things did look a little different. 
But God is still working today. He's still doing things today. And we need to recognize those things and thank Him and praise Him. And don't, don't do this, because it's, sometimes, we, sometimes we want to praise God, but we're kind of embarrassed to do it. So don't do this. Don't say, okay, I'm going to give God glory by praising Him and thanking Him when I go to my room later tonight. I do it in front of people. Like if it, if it comes up that something happened in your life, something good, praise and thank God for it. Make sure people know that you know where that that blessing and those things, why they happen to you, they happen because of God. Okay. So that's the application today. Praise and thank God for the works that He does because He's doing work all the time in our lives and He's blessing us so much. Okay. Count your blessings and then attribute those blessings to God, not to your own self or not to somebody else. Thanks for joining us for True to the Bible podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you have any questions about this lesson or any of the other True to the Bible podcasts, don't hesitate to contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope that you join us for our next lesson. Thank you.